You can turn in your Bibles. We're going to be over in Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at, we're still on our same topic here, but we're going to be looking at how does God see you? And can you change how God sees you? As we start a year, at least we're going to be pretty soon, many people set goals for themselves. Call them New Year's resolutions. It seems that most people give them up after about the first month. I think somebody put up on Facebook a, a comic, I think it was somebody from here, that uh, what's a New Year's re- resolution? It's something that's your to-do list for the first week of January. But our news, New Year's resolution, something that God looks at as good. What's God's opinion on us making New Year's resolutions? Did you know that the Bible might have something to say about that? And how can we become a better version of ourselves? See, New Year's resolutions are a way to get us in sync with our desired view of ourselves. Isn't that why we do them? We make a New Year's resolution, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to gain weight, I'm going to change this, I'm going to do that because we have a vision of ourselves to be different. And so we do these New Year's resolutions for the purpose of becoming different, becoming something that we are not. How do we, um, how do we get to that place that we, we can become something different than what we are and stay the course? What's God's role in all this? So we're going to take a look at this because these were not necessarily New Year's resolutions and I could not find anyone in the Word of God who made a New Year's resolution. But I found some people in the Word of God who made a change. So we're going to take a look at that. See how that change went on. So in Luke chapter 5, we're going to begin reading here at, at verse verse 1. Now just in review, remember one of the verses, key verses we looked at here was, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhorred what is evil, and cling to what is good. That means you despise what is evil, putting a distance between you and it. And when it says cling to what is good, you make a permanent bond between you and that thing. Because you determine it to be good and you look to make a permanent bond. Not a temporary one, but a permanent one. So there's three things that we can become synced to. We can become synced to God through the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, good. That's where we want to be. We can become synced to our flesh, our flesh nature. Or we become synced to Satan's kingdom. The Word of God tells us when we become synced to our flesh, we produce flesh and that burns up in the judgment that's not good we want to produce things that are of the spirit because they last sometimes in the word of god we saw people got synced to satan's kingdom what's interesting is none of them ever knew it until it was pointed out don't think that you are wise enough that you'll be able to tell back in the in the garden adam and eve one of the smartest men out there probably the smartest man ever created because we uh degenerated after him it's not like the cavemen there were never any cavemen going around grunting language has been a part of the human race since the very first day in fact the work the book of genesis talks about the tower of babel when many languages were were spread there has never been a day on this earth that man did not talk all that stuff that they try and feed you in school ugh 
No one ever talked like that. Did not do it. The Word of God actually says in the Hebrew that when Adam named the animals, he didn't just name them, he classified them. That's how intelligent he was. And he did all of them. Imagine remembering all the animals and their classifications. Now, there are three things we said that can get you unsynced. How many remember what they are? First thing is complaining about things. We looked at some examples in the Word of God where the children of Israel complained about stuff. What happened to their being synced with God? It's gone. Second one, despising God's blessings. They despised the blessings of the manna. It was a story we looked at. We looked at other ones too. Became unsynced. And the third was murmuring against people. We generally complain about things, but we murmur against people. And we can despise the blessings of God. Let's take a look here in Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Now, that's kind of interesting. He gets in the boat first, and then he has to use it. (laughs) How would you like that? Somebody gets in your car, and then asks if they can use it. Well, that's what what happened here. He got in the boat, and he turns to Simon and says, Hey, can I use this thing? Put it out a little ways from from the sea. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, what did Jesus teach the multitudes? <laughs> we don't know. How many times does the Word of God record the messages that he gives? And this particular time, they don't. They completely skip over it. It's not to say that his message wasn't important, but what he's talking, what happens around is more important. And that's what the focus is to be on. We'll have to wait till we get to heaven and find out what he taught. But he had them all so interested, they were about ready to press him into the water. They just couldn't get close enough to him. Man, this is good. They just kept moving closer and closer and closer. He says, man, i got to get some space between me and this, this group of people here. So he gets into a boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, we've talked about this before, and this isn't our focus here. But, of course, Jesus said to let down the nets, and he let down the the net. They had nets, but, of course, we've spent some time on this before. When, uh, the net in particular here is the net. Is that, that net that's not worth anything. Is that net they probably washed last. They didn't get to it, didn't matter, because this is the older model. we got the newer model. But he said, we toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, that has to be some kind of a message that he preached. That he took somebody who was a fisherman, I would suppose most of his life, that he would take fishing advice from somebody who's never fished. That's got to be some kind of a message. Now, he let him know his expert advice. <laughs> We fished all night. We haven't caught anything. 
But at your word, we'll go ahead and let down one of the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Now, of course, you've heard it talked about before. Did God know how many fish that net would hold? He did. He gave, He sent more fish than their nets could hold. Now, He asked them to use more, but they decided not to. But that didn't stop God from sending the fish. Just because you don't prepare for the blessing doesn't mean it won't come. Glory to God for that, huh? <laughs> so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And that's a lot of fish if you're going to sink a boat. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' feet, or fell at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they, which they had taken. Now they fished a long time, never saw anything like this. Fished all night, that means the fish are biting. They probably don't run into it too many times when they go out there and fish all night and not catch anything, but this particular time they did. Is the command sent out to the fish beforehand? Hide. (laughs) I got a job for you. Right now you got to hide. And then when they, uh, when the command is given by God, he says, go into the net. What? (laughs) Go into the net? You know when that'll happen? Well, you see, a fisherman does certain things, and so I spent a little bit of time thinking about the things that a fisherman does. I came up with five things a fisherman does. I know he does a whole lot more than this. But I came up with five things. First thing I came up with a fisherman does is he rows the boat. Now, I just gave you some blank space there. If you want to write these things in, you can. You can do whatever you want to. You can just leave it blank or whatever you want to do. But the first thing to do is they row the boat. they got to take that boat, and they got to row it past whatever waves are there, out to where they're going. Now, depending upon what boat they might have, they may have to set the sails. But we at least know that they have to row the boat to get out there. Once they get out there on the on the lake, doesn't seem like they were setting any sails on this particular one. They didn't go very far. But they um, they had to cast the nets. So if you're a fisherman, you row the boat, you cast the nets. Once you cast the nets, you got to haul the fish. You got to take that net with all the fish. You got to haul that into the boat. Once you once you haul in the the fish, you got to sell the fish. I mean, those fish are no good to you. It's fish. You got to turn those fish into money. I mean, how many fish can you eat? And I'm sure you'd like to eat some other things besides fish. And the only way you can do that is to have some money. So, you got to haul in the fish, you got to sell the fish, then you got to clean the nets. So if you're a fisherman, you wake up in the morning and you wake up early. You don't wait for the sun to get up. These guys are finishing up when Jesus is getting started. You got to row the boat every morning. You got to get up, get out there, row the boat. Doesn't matter if it's a cold morning, a rainy morning, what it is, you got to get out there, you got to row the boat. Once you get out in the water, you got to cast the nets. Once you cast the nets, you got to haul in the fish. You got to bring them ashore, you got to sell the fish. And then after all, all that's done, what do you got to do? 
Got to clean the nets. Now, see, you got to sell the fish before you clean the nets. You can't have all those fish sitting around. You got to get them fish on uh, in a cool place. You know, we would say put them on ice. Have you ever been down by a fish dock? I was down fish docks all the time. In the in the job I had delivering to, to seafood stores and stuff, down by the fish docks all the time. And every fish dock was different. Some of them, the big thing was they'd bring in squid. And they'd just see squid going all over the place. And other places there were different types of fish, some small fish, some big fish, whatever it might be. And they're coming on, on in and, you know, they're going in and out of the coolers, putting ice on these things. You cannot hang out by the docks without beginning to smell like a fish. You just can't do it. Now, I was in there a little bit, and, you know, they had those plastic things that come down. And uh, every time that you go through them, well, you pick up some stuff from the fish. I mean, there'd even be scales on, the, on those things because they're coming on through with the fish. So they were coated with fish. So by the end of the day, you, you had some, some fish smell. Now, nothing like the guys at the docks, but you still have some, some fish smell. So these guys, they smelled like fish, but they took care of all this stuff before they went and got themselves cleaned up. Every day, this is their habit. This is what they did. They would get up. They would row the boat out onto the water. They would cast the nets. They would haul in the fish. They would sell the fish. Then they clean the nets. Because that water will do damage to those nets, so you have to clean them. This is what they did. Day in and day out. If you wanted to make money, this is what you got to do. They were fishermen. Now there's probably some other things they did throughout the day, but this is what most of their days were be- had become. I put this in your outline for you. To become something you are not, you need to stop doing some of the things you do and start new things. As long as they are going to be fishers of fish, they needed to keep doing the things that they were doing. But if they were going to become something else, they would have to start something else. And this is what Jesus will challenge the disciples with. Verse 10. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all and followed him. He said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men, not fish. Now, if you're going to catch men, you don't get up early in the morning and row out onto the water. You don't throw nets overboard. You don't haul in fish. You don't sell fish. And you don't clean nets. If you're going to become a fisher of men, you've got to stop all those things, don't you? And that's what he's telling them. Do not be afraid. Now, we can be afraid of a few things here. We can be afraid of... Uh, actually, I wrote this in your outline for you, but um, I had to wipe out some things. But there's a fear of letting go or a fear of what you are taking on. There's a fear of letting go, the stuff that you got, or a fear of what you are taking on. And that can keep you in the same place. 
I don't want to let go of this. I'm afraid to grab hold of this. Not sure what I, what I want to do. For the disciples here, they had a fear of the power of God that worked through Jesus. That fear of the power of God working through Jesus, that could have kept them from moving on to what Jesus was challenging them with. Because when Peter saw this huge catch of fish, his, his first words to Jesus were what? Oh man, thank you for that. Oh, this is great. I, this is better than any catch. Is that what he said? He said, depart from me. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. See, that's just the devil. He's not in sync with God. God does not want Jesus to depart from the disciples. He wants them to be connected. But that's what they were, they were doing. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now we look at this word forsook here and sometimes we begin to think that forsaking things can be tough. How many of you think forsaking things can be tough? Now that is not always true. That is not true. How many would like to forsake all vegetation? I thought we'd get some hands over here. How many of you, we had a discussion about this and we had a kind of a fun discussion. I think it was over Christmas or sometime in there about Brussels sprouts. And I actually ran into some people who are huge fans. And, uh, and, and uh, Jolly Jr. over there shaking his head. You're, you're a few, few chance? Yeah. I despise Brussels sprouts. With every fiber of my being, I despise Brussels sprouts. I despise it. There's many things I... De- the coffee I despise. I despise the stuff. In fact, I have a coffee mug. I got one of those travel mugs. And once somebody used it for coffee, I refused to use it for tea. No, no, coffee touched that. That's, there's no, <laughs> so I got a new one. Got a different one. Cause I, I despise coffee. I, I want to put distance between me and coffee. Just, I don't like it. And, um, I'm not going to try and learn it, nor am I going to try and learn the Brussels sprouts. I am old enough now. No one can tell me I have to have Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and if you try, I won't listen. I have the, you know, the, the four or five vegetables I eat are just fine. <laughs> but you see, there are some things that we like to forsake. That uh, How many of you in, uh, in school like to forsake homework? <laughs> Tests. Yeah, there's some things that to forsake would not be a hardship. This is not a problem. What happens a lot of times, though, is the enemy gets in and he takes some of the things that were beneficial for us and turns them into a place where we look, look at them as something we despise. There are a few times you can see this in the Word of God. Abraham had a relationship with his nephew Lot. But what happened was strife came up in between Abraham and Lot. So that Lot decided that the fields for his flocks were more important than his relationship with Abraham. But his relationship with Abraham brought him into to, uh, abundance, great prosperity. 
And he decided he can maintain that prosperity on his own and basically despised the relationship with Abraham to honor that more. And he separated him from him. And the next we saw, he's living in the city, no flocks. And then he's leaving the city with nothing. See, that separation didn't work so well. And before, they, they didn't want to separate from each other. I don't know who was, who had more of a hand in it, more Abraham and more Lot. But Abraham was supposed to leave all his relatives behind and Lot still followed him. They may just be the Lot saying, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not leaving you. That may be what it was. Well, you don't know. He may have tried to argue. Make a case. Whatever it might be. But there's other, other examples in the Word of God where people allowed things to be despised. But I want you to notice this thing about the, the fishermen. These guys are fishermen. Now, we've talked about some of the things. What are some of the things that a fisherman does again? They row the boat. They cast the nets. They haul the fish. They sell the fish. And they clean the nets. They develop some skills doing that, don't you? Rowing the boat. Some skills casting the net. You got some skills hauling in that fish. You got some skills selling that fish. And then I'm sure there's some skill cleaning those nets out. They develop some skills. What of those qualities, those traits that they developed as a fisherman did Jesus use in the ministry? When Jesus brought the disciples around, did they cast any nets into the crowd? Did he say to them, go cast some nets into the city and bring out some people? There was no casting of nets. There was no hauling of fish or people. They didn't do any any of that. They, They didn't sell any of the people. As far as we can tell, there was no cleaning of nets afterwards. There was some rowing. They had to take care of some boats to get him, move him around. But um, there was not a whole lot that transferred over from being a fisherman to what Jesus was having them do, was it? Most of it was useless. I'll give you some other examples of people in the Word of God that uh, what they, they grew up doing didn't really translate very well. There were some things that they brought over, maybe some traits in them that were developed, But when David became a warrior, what part of that being a warrior and a king is involved with a shepherd? If you were going to put somebody in to train to become king or train to become a general or a good soldier, how many of you would think, yeah, let's put them with the sheep? (laughs) I remember you thinking that. Now David was there and while David was there, he saw an opportunity. One lion, one bear wanted to come and take some of his sheep. And he took them out. And there was training of that to become a, a giant killer. But um, outside of learning how to play the harp, which I don't really think the sheep cared about too much, didn't seem to be a whole lot that carried over for him. But while he was there, he stayed busy. And he developed some character inside himself. 
How about Joseph in prison? How many of you, if you're going to become a ruler of a country, think prison is a good place for that? Slavery. Is that a good place for to train up those those characteristics? How about Elisha? Elisha is going to be a prophet, going to be a prophet of God. How many of you think a great training ground for a prophet of God is plowing a field? That's all we know about his, his beginning. He's out there plowing fields. How is that a training ground? See, no matter where you are, God can use it to train you for where you're going. You don't have to be an apprentice somewhere. Elisha didn't have to be an apprentice first in a, in a prophet before he connected with Elijah. He just went right on into, into that ministry. What kind of training ground did Aaron have to become the high priest of Israel before he joined up with Moses? See, sometimes we, we, we focus so much on what our training is and where we are and what we're doing that we, um, we lose sight. God can train you anywhere. No matter where you are, God can develop skills that you need for what's coming in the future. If you let Him. This is one of the things I was thinking about when I was going to Ramah. When I was working in a pizza place. And I kept my eye out for it. It says, God, I know you can train me anywhere. I said this to him. And I, I, I'm going to keep my eye out for how you can train me for what you're calling me to here in this pizza place. And I kept my eye out on it. And I watched what I could. Oh, I can, I can learn this. And I saw things that I could do. Keep your eye out on that. Just because you are not in necessarily what you feel God has called you to doesn't mean you're not being trained up for it. And God, I mean, with, with uh, Joseph, his promotion came in one day. With Moses, that promotion came in one day. Just all of a sudden, burning bush, you're promoted. All of a sudden, one day, Elisha is out there plowing a field. Elijah comes running by. You're promoted. One day. There's a lot of suddenlies in the promotion area. But again, he said to, to, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will catch men. In other words, you are putting this behind and we're going to go on to something else. That's all he said to him. If somebody came up to you and said, do not be afraid. From now on, You will catch men. Would that cause you to forsake everything that you have lived your life for up to now? To forsake your business? To leave it behind? Would that cause you to do that? It did. Did Peter and his buddies. That's what they did. They forsook all. Be careful what you forsake. But also be careful what you hang on to. Because both things, you hang on to the wrong thing, that'll hurt you. You forsake the wrong thing, that'll hurt you too. Remember Abraham. God called him to go into the land of promise. And he gets to the land of promise and there's a famine there. What's he do? He forsook the promised land and he went into Egypt. That didn't work out so good for him, did it? He had problems out there. Guess who came with him? On the trip back. Hagar. 
Jeroboam was given a word from God. I will make of you an enduring house. And he forsook the word of God spoken to him. Left it. And he pursued idols and led all of Israel into it. There are some things you need to hang on to with every fiber of your being. And there's other things that God says you need to let that go. That's not a bad thing, but you need to let that go so that you can move on to this. And this is what he's speaking to these guys. You need to forsake the rowing the boat, the casting the nets, the hauling the fish. You got to forsake the selling the fish and the cleaning of nets. You got to leave that behind. In their mind, they're everything, but we're good at this. This is what we know to do. This is what we can do for a living. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So it says they forsook all and followed him. And you know, there is comfort in doing the things that we do. A lot of times we do the, the things we do, there's comfort in that. We just, you know, we feel good about doing the things that we do. That's why we do them. How many of you have a favorite coffee place? Right by your house. Right, raise your hand. You don't have to do it inside here. Nobody has a favorite coffee place. Wow. All right, good. Got a couple. I mean, if you have a favorite coffee place or a favorite lunch place or some kind of favorite, doesn't it bring you comfort when you go there? Oh, yeah, I like being in here. You know, I, my wife will tell me I don't like their coffee. They're, they're, they're bad. My daughter will tell me that, that's bad coffee over there. I like this coffee over here. They'll, they'll tell me where the bad, I don't know where the bad coffee is. It's all bad to me. Every bit of it. There's not a good drop of coffee. It smells good. There's not a good drop of coffee out there as far as I'm concerned. As far as Nikolai and I are concerned, coffee could dry up and die. And it wouldn't bother us. We wouldn't be phased. We feel bad for all of you, at least a little bit. But I don't think, I don't think we would lose any sleep over it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> going to drag him in. That's right. But if God came to you and says, I want you to despise and forsake coffee or something that you like. You know, they could be fighting words. I may not go all that well. But you see, there are some things you need to forsake in order to do what God said. You can't keep hanging on to them. The enemy is constantly going to try and confuse this. He's going to try and, you to, try and get you to forsake what God wants you to hang on to and to hang on to what God wants you to forsake. Just because you forsake stuff doesn't mean you followed God. So what kind of things are they going to begin as new here? Because what, what things did we leave again? We're leaving behind. Rowing the boats. Casting the nets. Hauling the fish. Selling the fish. Cleaning the nets. We're leaving that behind. We've got to go on to something. So now what they're going to do? Well, now they're going to set up meetings. We're going to serve the crowds. We're going to be praying with Jesus. Because that time in the garden, before the crucifixion, that was not the only time. In fact, that was a favorite place he would go. And guess who would come along with him? And what were they expected to do? Pray with him. We're supposed to be over here praying with Jesus. Then it got harder. They're supposed to be receiving revelation. He's expecting them 
to receive revelation. They're supposed to listen to all the things being taught and they had some private sessions where he was just teaching them. And they're supposed to receive revelation. Jesus made a remark about it a few times. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father in heaven. There's a revelation that was there. Here's the next one. They're supposed to minister to needs. He sent them out two by two, didn't he? And they came back. Boy, even the, even the demons are subject to us through your name. So this is a whole different lifestyle for these guys. We're in here. We're setting up meetings. We're, we're serving the, we're serving the crowds. Keeping things in order. Doing whatever needs to be in the, happening in the meetings. We go away and we pray with Jesus. He teaches us we're supposed to receive revelation. We're supposed to go out and minister to people. When Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the nine that were behind could not cast out the demon, what did Jesus say? Well, you guys did him a good shot. He gave it a good, 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 good world there. No, he was disappointed. You ought to be doing this by now. How can we couldn't cast it out? Because of your unbelief. Gotta get rid of that unbelief. But you see, when they, when they made that decision that day, to leave being fishermen and to become fishers of men, their daily activities had to change. They had to stop doing some things and start doing some others. Their schedule changed. Instead of waking up at two, three o'clock in the morning, they really they didn't start until later because their ministry involved people. People needed to be awake. They may start the first day. Jesus, what time do you want us here? Oh, seven o'clock is fine. What? Seven? That's so late. But they're they're moving out. They're trying to do some new things. They're leaving behind the rowing. They're leaving behind the casting. They're leaving behind the hauling, the selling, and the cleaning. They're leaving all that behind. They're going after some new things. And whenever you leave this behind and you go after some new things, you're going to have some some trouble. Some things are going to come against you, trying to get you to go back on what you used to do. This is what we used to do. You know, it's kind of like our kids after summer break. Summer break. How many of y'all? How many of your kids get to sleep in summer break? No? No sleeping in? Well, if you were one who got to sleep in, then all of a sudden school comes along, you get up early again. But when you go from elementary school to junior high, or junior high to senior high, and suddenly you have to get up earlier each time. I don't like that. There's a there's adjustments that we have. So what pulls you away? When we set out at the beginning of the year and we say, I'm going to lose weight. How many have ever said that? You set out in the beginning, I'm going to lose weight. And we have set that you've got the, the agenda what you're going to do. You're going to not eat as much. You're going to eat better food. You're going to exercise. We got it all down. This is what we're going to do. And so you get out there. I'm going to lose weight. Sometimes we even put a, a, a dress up there that's two sizes smaller. Or a suit up there that's two sizes smaller. And we say, that's my goal. I want to get into that. And we set that up. We've got the vision. And every time we get up, 
We look at that vision. This is what I can become. How am I going to do it? Well, I'm going to change. I'm not going to eat these things that I was eating before. I'm going to eat these things instead. I'm not going to sit around like I was doing before. I'm going to exercise instead. I'm not going to go out to the fast food restaurants. I'm going to make salads and fresh stuff at home. We got it down what we're going to do. I know, I know the procedure. I know how to do this. And so we get out there. So what is it that pulls us away from those things? What it, and you'll see in your outline there, I, I set up a little acronym for you. You don't have to figure out what it is. There's a cost to this thing. When I want to make a change and I want to become something that I am not, at least not yet, there's a cost to it. It doesn't come free. There is a cost to whatever it is that I want to do. If you want to lose weight, there's a cost. If you want to gain weight, there's a cost. Whatever it is, there's a cost. I think I told you the story. I tried to gain weight one time. A couple of times I tried to gain weight. I went all after. I mean, I went all in. I was in the workout place in the morning lifting weights. Not lifting weights to become a better runner, but lifting weights to actually build muscle. There's a different way to, to lift. And so I was building, I was going out there with a buddy of mine. We were both going out. We were hitting the, the gym soon as it was open. Soon as it was open, we were there. And we were hitting that. And um, and I I ate all kinds of stuff. I was eating four times a day. Four meals a day. To try and get uh, my get some some weight lifted. I had a personal trainer. Had a personal trainer who walked me through everything, and even did all the measurements to see if I was growing. You know, measure the arms, measure whatever it is. You just measure all stuff, see if I was growing, and you know, get on the scale and see. And the goal was to 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 increase. You know, get your chest bigger, arms bigger. Stuff like that. Gut smaller. <laughs> that was that was the goal. I was working hard to it. I ate and ate and ate and worked and worked and worked. And after about two or three months, I wore out my personal trainer. <laughs> he threw up his arms. And he says, I don't think it's possible. He couldn't we could not gain a single centimeter on an arm. Or the chest. And I was lifting weights. I was growing in the lifting of the weights. The weights were going up. The reps were going up. I was growing in this. Wasn't just staying even. No size increase at all. And he told me, he said, Steve, either you give up running or you give up trying to get bigger. So guess which one won? <laughs> we just gave it up. I just it's It's not there. There was a sacrifice. I paid it. I just didn't receive anything. But there's a, there's a cost to whatever it is that you want to do. There's a cost. The first thing is commitment. This is one of the things that will pull you away. There's a commitment to whatever you want to do. The disciples had to commit to what Jesus said to do. They had to commit to it. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to become fishers of men. That means we need, need to do the stuff 
that fishers of men do, not the stuff that fishers of fish do. We've got to change it up. We've got to become something different. We've got to be committed to it. If you're going to lose weight, gain weight, get healthy, eat better, whatever it might be, you got to commit to it. You've got to put some time into it each, each day. You've got to focus on this stuff. That's the first thing. Because if you are not committed, you will get pulled away. You've got to commit to it. How many have ever tried one of those diets out there to lose weight? I've got it on good authority from many different people I've listened to that just about all of them work. But you've got to commit to it. You can't do a little bit of this diet, a little bit of this diet. You've got to pick which one and, and stay with it. Commit to it. Whatever it is. Well, this one has you eating this kind of things. And this one, well, it's different. I mean, some of them it's all protein. Some of them it's... Uh, wait, a minute, I know nobody goes all carbohydrates, right? I'd like to find that one. Eat all carbohydrates and lose weight. That'd be all right. But whatever it is, you just got to commit to it. You got to be committed. Here's another, the second thing that pulls you away. Old habits. This is how I always did it. But I'm used to eating this. I'm used to that. This is what I eat. No, that's not on the, on the diet we committed to. That's not in the plan that we're on. This is what we got to do. Old habits. These old habits will come up. They'll try and get you to do something different. Or go back to doing it the same way. See, when you follow after God, there's some new habits that you got to pick up. you got to get rid of some of the old habits. When we were unsaved, our language was different. Ethel was talking about it. I hear the prayer room was talking about it too. That your words, you got to have uh, words that are intentional, that have purpose. When we were unsaved, we didn't care about all that. But now we do. Cuss words shouldn't be coming out of our mouth. Not because it will send us to hell. It's because we're committed to this new way. I am not going to go back into the old habits. I'm not going to go back there and think the old thoughts. I'm not going to believe the worst in people. I'm going to believe the best in people. The old habits are there. They're going to try and pull you back in. But you've got to stay committed. Stay away from those old habits. Stay with the new ones. Third one is sacrifices. You are going to have to just make some sacrifices. There are going to be some things you like that you are no longer going to be able to do. If you're on a real strict exercise program, sleeping in may be something that you like. Out the window. you got to get up early now and get over to that gym or put the running shoes on or whatever it is that you're going to do. There's some sacrifices. You're going to give up some things that you like in order to accomplish that thing. But when we begin to think that, well, I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice that just yet. Kind of want that. If you're in school, you've ordered your, reordered your day, now you've got to learn and study and write papers and prep for tests. Those sacrifices, there's some things you have to give up. You can't quite have the same social life that you had before. You have to give up on some things. There's some sacrifices. When you stop making the sacrifices, you stop pursuing. 
these uh, disciples made some sacrifices to do what Jesus said. Because they're on tour now with Jesus. They're not home every night like they were before. And here's the fourth one. Tribulations. Trouble will come. Something's going to go wrong. If you start on a new diet, your digestive tract may, may yell at you. Man, I didn't sign up for this. Oh man, my stomach's upset. My body's acting weird. I don't like this. My energy level's not what it was. Whatever it is coming up, there's going to be some, some hardships. There's going to be some tribulations. You got to know it ahead of time, but you got to be committed. You got to leave the old habits, pick up the new ones. You're going to make some sacrifices. There's going to be some tribulations. You got to expect these things. Well, I want to become certain things. We all want to become something. I can see myself being this. If you're in a company, I can see myself being vice president. I can see myself being president. I can see myself being CEO. I can see myself doing certain things. Well, I've got to make some sacrifices. I've got to make some commitments. I've got to get rid of some old habits. I've got to expect some tribulations along the way. Fear can keep us from starting. There can be a feel of, feel of failure, a fear of disappointment, rejection, we can even just fear the unknown. I know what I have here. I don't know what's up there. That'll keep you out. The reason the New Year's resolutions don't hold, the reasons the changes that we want to make don't stay, and put this in your outline for you, is the cost is revealed to be higher than our desire. You see, in the beginning... Our desire is great. How many of you can think, getting down two dress sizes, you have a strong desire? Dropping two suit sizes, they have a strong desire. That's something I'd like to get to. I can see myself doing that. Oh, this will be much better if I can just do this. I can just do this. But see, suddenly as we are pursuing it, we found out the cost. I knew there was a cost, but I found out the cost was higher. It went on longer. And I found out that my desire to get that place has dwindled because of what it's costing me. Now, there was a time when this happened to the disciples. Disappointment set in for them. They became disappointed. And in John chapter 21, verse 1, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in his way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. So we had an old thing that we did. We were fishermen. What did fishermen do? 
row the boats, cast the nets, haul the fish, sell the fish, clean the nets. They have been out of that habit for three and a half years now. They have picked up the other habits, setting up for the meetings, serving the crowds, praying with Jesus, receiving revelation, and ministering to people. They've been in that habit for three and a half years. And they get disappointed because things didn't go the way that we wanted and Jesus died on the cross. All right, he's rose up, but we're obviously not going in the direction we want. And Peter says, you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before because I'm disappointed with what's going on. I'm going fishing. And several others with them said, we're going to. These are people who had been fishermen, stopped it, picked up new habits. These new habits changed them as people. They became better. They're ready to give it up. It's not that they still think Jesus is dead because he's already made an appearance. We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. <laughs> but when the morning had come, now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the, that disciple whom Jesus loved <laughs> said to Peter, it is the Lord. In other words, I, I knew it first. <laughs> now when Simeon Peter heard, or when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it. And bread. Where did Jesus get the fish? Well, I guess if you can command fish to go into a net, you can command them to come ashore. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, not little sunnies. These are large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Well, they weren't using the net. They were out there fishing. They were using the good nets. And it didn't break. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask Him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed Himself to His disciples after He was raised from the dead. So when He had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. 
First time he asked him this question, he says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Because these are the things that he went back to. Do you love me more than these? And of course, we've talked about this before. You probably heard it many other places. Jesus asks, do you agape me? He says, Lord, you know, I phileo you. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know, I phileo you. He said to him the third time, Peter, do you phileo me? He said to him, he was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. You know that I am not quite at that level of agape love, but I sure am at that level of phileo love with you. And he was going to work. Jesus could work with that. But look at what he said. He didn't one time tell him to go fish. Three times he says to him, First off, tend my sheep. Or feed my lambs first. Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. And feed my sheep. Three different things he told him to do. None of them are fishing. He says, don't go back into the old habits. Don't go back into the old way. I want you to keep doing what I've trained you to do. Keep going out there and doing it. I don't care if you're not quite at the level that you agape me yet. I want you to get out there with what you do have, that you fillet me. And I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to tend my sheep. And I want you to feed my sheep. There are three different things. Lambs are young ones. Tending is not feeding. And then feed the sheep. Make sure you give them food to eat too. Verse 18, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you, were, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You see, whenever we're going after new territory, whenever we're pursuing something new and developing new habits, getting rid of the old habits, whenever we hit a bump, whenever we have a hiccup, whenever something's not quite going right, we compare ourselves to others. If the die is not working, but it worked for so-and-so. But what about... And we make the comparison. And Jesus is basically saying, look, stop comparing yourself to other people. You follow me. Because what John is doing is not hindering you from following me or not following me. It's not doing anything at all. Don't you worry about John. You take care of Peter. Then this saying went out from among them that his disciples would not, that this disciple would not die. But Jesus didn't say to him that he would not die, but if you will, that I rem- he, that he remained till I come, what is that to you? Of course, we know they had trouble killing him. He's the only one who died of old age, John. 
The rest of them died for their faith. You see, Peter led a bunch of them back into fishing. And Jesus is telling them, I want you to lead them in the way of ministry. I want you to lead them to continue doing the same things you had done. Don't go back to the old habits. Don't go back to the old way. I put this in your outline for you. To change what you are, you have to change what you do. I didn't say who you are. I said to change what you are, you have to change what you do. To change who you are, you have to change how you do everything. You have to change how you do everything. Not just what you're doing. If you want to change who you are, you have to change how you do everything. If you're going to change who you are, you've got to do everything you do from a point of the love of God. You cannot do what you do for the love of self. You cannot do what you do for the love of people. Because both are a ditch on either side of the road. The only road that you should be on is the road for the love of God. In that road, you will love people. But you will love people the way God says. If you just love people, then you will get in God's way. If you love yourself, you'll get in your own way. You gotta love God, not love yourself, and not love, just love people. You gotta love God. That's gotta be the top thing. You gotta do everything that you do with patience, not with anger. And go through all the things in Galatians that he talks about as far as bad Bad uh, thoughts, bad, bad traits that you have, bad attitudes that you got. You got to get rid of all those bad attitudes. You got to get the good ones. And there's no one who's bringing those bad attitudes on you. You brought them on yourself. Don't look at John and say, what about him? It's all about you. You got to change your attitude. If everybody else has a bad attitude and you have a good attitude, that's fine. Keep it going that way. I put this in your outline so make sure that you get it. In God's eyes, you will always be more than what you do. Just to know that. In God's eyes, you will always be more than what you do. When he came upon the disciples, he, they were fishermen. How do we know they were fishermen? Because they would row the boats. They would cast the nets. They'd haul the fish. They'd sell the fish. They'd clean the nets. That's a fisherman. That's what a fisherman does. But he did not see them as fishermen. He saw them as more. He saw beyond what they did. He saw who they were and what they would become. He saw past Joseph being a slave, being in prison. He saw past Moses being on the backside of the wilderness and being a failure in Egypt. He saw past that. He saw past the faith failure that Abraham was to the father of faith he would become. And the list would go on and on. In God's eyes, you will always be more than what you do. But how you conduct yourself is what keeping keep, what keeps you from being what He sees. How you conduct yourself 
is what keeps you from being what he sees. You see, folks, we are not working to become more in his eyes. You already are so much in his eyes. I'm not working to become more in his eyes. I'm working to let his more become me. Because God has a vision of much more for each one of us. He sees you as more than what you are and what you do right now. He can see it. And He has got a way to bring you to that more. But just like the disciples, they had to quit doing the things that made them fishermen and do the things that made them fishers of men. And how they conducted themselves is what moved them on. How do we conduct ourselves? We're little flesh creatures just giving in to every whim, every emotion, every feeling. Or are we spirit-dominated and spirit-controlled people? Do we control our mouth? Do we control our thoughts? We just let them go wild. You're not working to become more in God's eyes. You are not. You are already more in His eyes than you can ever dream. But you're working to let His more become you. And it will. If you do what God says, if you drop the things He says to drop, if you pursue the things He says to pursue, those relationships He's put in your life, that are going to bring you into something good, they don't always go great. There are sometimes there's some bumps in there. There are some times that that person had to speak some things harsh to us, take us along a good way, get us out of some, some things. That's all right. Don't forsake the things that God wants you to hang on to and the enemy wants you to forsake. Don't forsake those. But forsake those things that God says, you don't need that anymore. Put the boats away. Put away the oars. You don't need those nets. You don't even need those cleaning supplies. Don't worry about all the relationships you have with the merchants. You won't be needing them anymore. What is God saying about you? What has God called you to? We come into the new year, there may be some things that you need to write down and say, God, you've been telling me to do this and I haven't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus this. I know there's going to be a cost. I know the cost is probably greater than I think it is. But as the cost grows, I will grow. And I will pay it. I will be committed. I will forsake the old habits. I will let them go. I will make the sacrifices I need. And when tribulation comes, I will face it head on and I will beat it because of the God that is in me. I will pay the cost. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. I thank you for that vision that you have for us. I thank you for your ability to see things in us that we cannot see. 
I thank you that you call us to do things that are prepping us, getting us ready. We can't even see how it would. We may not even understand how what we're doing now is prepping us for what's coming up. But no matter what it is that we do, when we focus on how we do it and let the godly character that is in us come out, we are in training. And that training will have its perfect work in us. I thank you, Father, for the growth that we will see in us this year. We will not finish this year coming the same way we started it. We will be better. We'll be closer to that image that you have for us. We will not let the enemy tell us to forsake things and walk away from them. We will not get discouraged because of tribulation, fall back into old habits, shrink back because of the sacrifice. We will press on. We are ready to pay the cost because we know at the end is a pearl of great price, of treasure of immense reward, and it waits for us. I thank you for it. Every head bowed. No one looking around. How many of you would say that there's a vision? There's something that you can write down? There is something you can set up as your goal for this year that God has been speaking to you about? God has been telling you? You have felt inadequate unable but that's about to change how many of you say that there is something that this year you're going to make part of you that has eluded you for a while just raise your hand glory to God Father you see the hands that are raised you see the the hearts of the people who want to pursue the things that you have for them. Father, we thank you that you see more in us than we can see. And you don't lose patience. Whether it be one year, five years, ten years, you don't lose patience. You keep working with us you keep prepping because you want that image that you have of us to be born in us, to come out. And I thank you that it will. For each person who raised their hand here today, speak to them this week. Speak to them about something that they can write down. This is what I need to go for. This is what I need to pursue. I thank you for it, Father. Our growth is important to you. And I thank you for the calling that you have on each of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God.
Good afternoon. There we go. All right. I just wanted to say that as we're seeking God, we need to be expectant. We need to expect to see him show up. A lot of times we go through the motions and we're not expecting him. And for us to get what he has for us, we have to expect to see it happen. I have one quick praise report, and that's from Ethel. And she says she is thanking the Lord for his healing power. On Thursday, after taking an exercise class, something pulled in her heel. Okay. And she prayed. Okay. And laid hands on herself. Okay. And as uh, of this morning, the pain is gone. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Part two. Okay. Uh, There's no pulling in her heel. Also... Uh, This morning, she did not feel very well, okay? But as service went on and as praise went on, that feeling began to dissipate, and she she was feeling better and better, amen? So we need to understand what praise will do for us. Praise is a weapon. Praise will change our lives as we look at how we acknowledge him for who he is, for what he has done. God is going to show up. Remember, be expectant. Glory to God. Greet one another. Have a great... Oh, Ms. Kahn? Yep, 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 there yep. you go. Okay, praise the Lord. Ethel, thank you for telling about the vision um, for the goal. This is really hot. Um, the goal of our building fund last year was $50,000, and we overdid that. So as you can tell, God expects us to stretch our faith, Right? Grow in faith. So what's our goal for this year? 60000 How many of you think we're going to do that this year? Oh, no, no, no. Let me hear it. How many of you think we're going to do that this year? Out of the abundance of the heart, speak it. Amen. I'm expecting we're going to do that this year because God wants us to have a new building. There's much that he wants us to do, much to accomplish. And going along with that, how many of you have begun this for next week? Next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. Now, I realize not too many have, um, I announced it, and then it hasn't kind of like been gone over. So I want to go over with you. Take this week. I gave you some ideas as what to, these actually came from Keith Moore. (laughs) Um, Things to write down to expect to have changed in your life. He wrote down three things. He says, what you desire to give into the kingdom of God this year. How much do you desire to give to the kingdom? Not just to your local church, but wherever the Lord leads you to give. There's so many ministries that are doing wonderful things, um, and you may want to be a part of that. So think about that with your spouse and write it down. Write it down. Um, what about your debts? That is a huge thing for people. Finances is huge for people. How much do you feel you have in debt and you want to get out of debt? It may be one thing that you you, you think, I can only, I only have the faith for this one debt. I can believe to get out of that this year. Write it down. And then the third thing, what about personally? Like Pastor was talking about this morning. How do you want to grow personally? Whether it's something um, physically or spiritually. I know for myself, I started already back in September. I felt really strong in my heart to read through the New Testament in 30 days. The whole thing, 30 days. I did that September, did that October, November, December. Now now I'm going to add to that Proverbs and Psalms. I said, 
add those two books to it every 30 days, read through the New Testament, Proverbs and Psalms, and then we'll see where the Lord takes me with that. But that's my personal goal for myself spiritually. What do you have? What do you want? But the key is write it down. And, you know, I have not been a very good person with regards to writing things down over the years. Like, it just, for some reason, it just seemed like so much work. <laughs> but when you go back to what the Word says, write it down, make it plain, put it in front of your face. Every time you see it, you declare, I, that debt is paid in the name of Jesus. I've reached that goal in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, if it's before your face, you're going to you're gonna reach it. You're going to meet it. So, Take some time. Bring these together next week. We're going to pray and encourage each other throughout the year to continue to meet our goals, to continue to stretch ourselves, stretch our faith so that we grow. Amen. All right. That's all we have. Have